This is Mind Salad, a program of diverse weekly discussions about mental wellness with a rotating panel of licensed professional mental health counselors on a variety of mental health topics with guests and information to help you sort through life struggles. The information that is provided on this program is for informational purposes only and is not meant to treat or diagnose any mental health condition or be a substitute for therapy. This week, your host is Kyle Bridgman from Project Ember Counseling. Morning, and welcome to this week's episode of Mind Salad. My name is Kyle Bridgman. I'm with Project Ember Counseling. And this morning, we have a very special guest with us from another agency in town, uh, Colorado Motion, and this is Jeremy Rogers. Great to be here. Thank you for having me, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. During our very first episode, we talked about what is your why, so I thought maybe you could take a minute or two and why you got into therapy, why you do what you do. What what brought to life Colorado Motion? And- well, Kyle, thanks for asking. I uh, tell you what, I feel like I could talk about Colorado Motion for days and days, so I'll try to be concise with what it is that we talk about here today, but essentially it was a combination of the two. I uh, had a young man that I was working with that um, very much I felt like I wanted to do something for, but he was very resistant to therapy. Um, So really I created this um, piece where I integrated skateboarding into therapy to try to connect with this young man. And it worked so well with him that I wondered, I wonder if there are other clients that might need this skateboarding piece to help them get involved with therapy. Um, So I essentially just started incorporating more physical activity into my counseling. And I noticed that kids um, definitely engaged in the therapeutic process more. So that really was the starting ground for Colorado Motion. And as um, Colorado Motion has grown and we've gotten different feedbacks from customers, our service has certainly changed from that original starting point. Um, but it definitely was kind of that um, calling to do something more for that young man that I felt like kind of propelled me into being more creative with this experiential piece. How long have you been in, in this line of work and kind of where did you come from and how did, yeah. how did your experience grow? Uh, I've been in this line of work since 2014. I uh, initially started at the Emily Griffith Center not far from Memorial Skate Park, so maybe that was a, a slight inspiration for me. <laughs> um, but I've been doing this work uh, for about, what, seven years now. And um, really it's just been kind of a journey, um, piece by piece, just kind of figuring out what it is that this particular client would need and um, finding out if there are others that could benefit as well. Um, So in many ways, um, the piece to get to experiential therapy has certainly grown organically over the seven years. I don't think I mentioned this before, but I actually worked for you, so you were my boss for a couple years. And I remember coming out of grad school and then there's kind of this limbo phase before you get licensed and so, finding work in this field where you can actually get paid to do what you like to do um, was difficult. And then I remember, I don't even remember how I came across Colorado Motion, but I saw that we could go hiking and fishing and biking and do all this stuff with kids. And and that appealed to me because I was, a lot of our work is sitting in an office and doing couch therapy sometimes and the talk therapy, but there's just something that drew me to Colorado Motion with, with the activity. Um, and I come from residential care. And so a lot of times there, the way that you get kids engaged is through video games or you're out working or you're out doing something. And um, so I remember with Colorado Motion, I was just like, this is it, I gotta, I gotta do something. How much of the interaction with kids do you find they're more engaged when you keep their minds occupied or their bodies occupied doing something else as opposed to just sitting in an office talking? It's a great question, Kyle. And um, the answer is just, 
tremendously more. Um, I even think back, um, some of the people that I admired, they would always say, hey, you know, really focus on building a service that you would want for yourself. Hmm. And Kyle, I think back um, when I was a teenager, some of my best conversations occurred, you know, when we were playing pool or we were doing something with our hands. Um, some of our best conversations occurred in the car, right, where we're just not exactly having eye contact, but just on a cruise, looking out the window. So I thought, as much as I can recreate this piece where we're doing something with our hands, we're fishing, we're hiking, um, in many ways it facilitates you know, a conversation with much more depth. Um, so in some ways I thought, how can I recreate that for the kids? Um, so between driving to the experiential place, going fishing, um, and you mentioned your time at Caught Emotion, I thought you were such a great fit. By the way, some of these kids didn't want to come to therapy. Um, and really it was their parent who was like, hey, this is going to be beneficial. Um, so really, Kyle, what I thought um, made us such a good match is, you know, Caught Emotion had this experiential piece, but then you as a provider were, you know, jumping right in there. Let's go fishing. Let's pick them up. Let's go on a hike. And I felt like the engagement that you were able to create with those clients um, really was partially a result of you know what you guys got to do during your sessions and kind of building that relationship um, so in many ways I feel like um, our time together was um, really something special because I think between the service that Caught Emotion could provide and your ability to provide it I feel like that engagement was incredibly high especially for some of the kids I'm thinking up the pass in Woodland Park. Mm. So tell me with that uh, kind of the experiential piece and some people call it experiential treatment, some people call it experiential therapy. What do you think it is that helps the kids connect on that level? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're telling them that they're coming to, to therapy. I know you and I talked last week, just kind of in preparation for this, and you had mentioned that getting the kids to buy in, because a lot of times the parents, they want their kid to go, they want their kid to get help, but getting the kid to buy in. Absolutely, Kyle. And um, we could certainly spend a couple minutes talking about the evidence-based materials that say how effective experiential therapy is from a bilateral standpoint. It very much mimics an EMDR type bilateral stimulation. Um, but really, I even see that as like a secondary benefit. For me, the primary benefit, as you alluded to, Kyle, is a lot of these teenagers aren't completely and totally sold on the idea of coming to therapy. Um, particularly, it's the adolescent boys that need that kind of sell to get into therapy. So what I think is really great about the experiential approach is it kind of takes away this, you know, fear of therapy, the stigma of therapy. And a lot of times I'll sit in front of a young man and I'll say, hey, look, I totally get you don't want to be in therapy. Let's kind of not worry about talking about our feelings and how we felt about all this stuff that happened in the past. And what do you say we go fishing at Memorial Park for a few weeks and we'll take it from there, right? And sometimes I find that if we can just reduce the pressure, you know, make it so it's not this like big thing, you know? Um, and also there's a little bit of an inherent power dynamic. I feel like where the, hmm. sometimes the kid feels like, oh, that's an expert or, you know, am I being judged or analyzed or something? So in many ways it helps us get into more of an organic environment where it's not, you know, this office space where I come out, you know, in some ways it's like, much more of a natural setting to get to know another human being. And if we're going to do a therapeutic relationship, I feel like it's the basis for what becomes a very authentic way of meeting each other. Um, it really helps us kind of get off our barriers to being ourselves. And then, Kyle, can you imagine how that sets us up? I mean, you can, right? <laughs> it sets us yeah. up to do great therapy. Yeah. All right, so we've been talking or alluding to that we, we worked with a lot of kids there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the population that you see there, what age range is, how do you get some of the referrals or how do you get some of the kids that are coming uh, maybe from different from other agencies or group practices? 
Absolutely, Kyle. Yeah, I think um, kind of like we were talking about earlier, where the um, service has changed over time. So is the demographic that we provide that service for. Um, so I used to work at a place off uh, Uinta Street called Savio House. And when I originally left that agency, um, naturally, a lot of my professional connections were from uh, that world, that agency. Um, so in, in the early years, I would say a lot of our um, referrals came from um, some sort of like institutional apparatus. So it would be mm-hmm. like probation or it would be, um, you know, someone who was um, kind of needing additional support that the school had identified. Um, and as things have changed, as the company has gotten bigger, um, we're finding more word of mouth or people are finding us through their insurance. Um, we do take all different types of insurance. So when people type in their zip code, um, oftentimes they pick a counselor in their area. Um, so they might come to Colorado Motion. But I would say the majority of our um, services are kind of geared to certainly teens or young adults. Um, in the past, our services were probably 68% male. Um, what's really interesting, in the last year or so, um, we've seen that kind of go back to more 50-50 for whatever reason. Hmm. Um, so I'd say it's pretty evenly split among the genders. Most of our clientele is in that teenage range. And I'd say there's a outlying 20% that's a young adult somewhere before the age of 35. Okay. Um, some of what we do is um, providing family therapy so that way we can kind of provide a wraparound support for the child. Um, but really that is... Um, something that we do mostly to kind of wrap around the adolescence treatment. Mm. Um, we do do the family therapy, but mostly to support the adolescent. I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I know that's one of the one of the big issues sometimes is when you're working with the teen, and we kind of look at everything from a systems perspective. So if you think of a bike, even as a system, if the chain isn't on, it, the bike isn't going to work. Uh, if you've got a flat tire, it's going to affect the entire system. And so sometimes working with the teen, you might get them to the spot, and they're, they're starting to really deal with some of their issues and focus on stuff, but you're putting them back into the same system. And so it's their natural tendency is to just go back to the doing things the way that they did. Do you, do you find that with yours or do, do, is it helpful having some of the parents in therapy sometimes to kind of show them the kid's progress and, and have them work on some stuff as well? That's exactly right, Kyle. And um, I think your expertise in that marriage and family is going to be key to supporting any kind of adolescent because I always think it's helpful to make analogies um, in counseling. And I look at um, a lot of, uh, I like sports a lot. So a lot of the analogy I go to is sport. Um, And then I think of it, you know, how well can a player do if the coaching staff Mm. doesn't have their P's and Q's in a row? Um, So in some ways, I like to think of, you know, does the school have the P's and Q's? Does the coaching staff, does the fam, right? Um, There are many apparatuses that the individual works inside of that can support their growth. Um, And in many ways, I think some of the more effective things we've done with the adolescent has come through the structural family changes. Gosh, if we can utilize both of those pieces, I feel like that's when we're really making the biggest difference for our kid because it's, you know, their personal choice and also the environment in which those choices occur. So I feel like combining those two is, you know, the golden ticket for where we're hoping to go. You you had mentioned that the dynamic or kind of where you get your clientele has shifted over time. But I remember being there. It was a lot of DHS uh, involvement. There was a lot of probation. Do you find, say, teens that are coming from just word of mouth referral as opposed to maybe they're in the system and they're on probation, do you find one is more difficult than the other? One is more connected than the other or disconnected? You know, Kyle, I haven't really noticed the correlation between connection or difficulties. What I have noticed is... um, 
sometimes those that come through like an institutional referral um, do have more of what you would call like your adverse childhood experiences. So oftentimes um, they present with a little bit more trauma. Um, and I feel like one of the things that has been important for Colorado Motion is to understand that um, often what they're presenting with is a symptom. Right, mm. and we are not, you know, the limp that we have because of a car accident. Right, it's a symptom of something that occurred that we're going to try to get over. So, in a lot of ways, what we try to identify is, um, you know, what we're seeing here: um, defiance or, um, you know, not engaging in conversation when we ask a question. A lot of that is symptomology, um, and I feel like it's um, something that comes about of a person feeling as though they haven't had the platform for trust historically, and now they don't know how to apply the trust to a stranger. Uh, so in many ways, there's certainly a challenge there, but I do feel like um, we have this term in therapy called roll with resistance. Mm -hmm. And when someone presents with that symptomology, we know where we're gonna start. <laughs> so in many ways, it's um, something that um, over time has not deterred us from connecting with kids in any way. And in fact, I think it gives us a, a more easily seen starting place. I remember when I first started Colorado Motion, and I was working at uh, group practice before that, and so a lot of the referrals just kind of came to me, and it was people that wanted generally wanted to be there um, as much as you can want to go to therapy. <laughs> um, but when you were talking about probation and some of these kids are required to be there as part of their probation, just kind of this anxiety on my own, my own end is how am I going to get this kid to buy in? It, he doesn't even want to be here. Uh, and I encourage them to tell me that if they didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. um, kind of going back to my roots that the most important thing is the relationship. So if, they're, if they don't want to be there and you make it crappy for them, like you, all you're doing is reinforcing that they don't want to be there. And so with the experiential piece, uh, you can go out and hike and do these things, asking the kids what they enjoyed um, and, and kind of building on that mutual respect that all of a sudden you'd see this shift. Sometimes it would take a month, sometimes it would take two months, but all of a sudden they're bought in. Mm -hmm. Like they, they want to come to therapy because they know that they're not gonna have to talk about their feelings if if they don't want to. Uh, they don't have to talk about all the issues going on in life. Like we can just go fish and sit here and just sit in silence for two hours. But also in the back of my mind, it's always, we're supposed to be doing something that's therapeutic. Um, we've got to keep a lot of notes and records and that kind of thing. And especially with court, it's how do we make this process therapeutic if we're just sitting and fishing? So with, with that, what would you say the process is if you're out skateboarding? How's Absolutely. that therapeutic? And Kyle, it's one of the things that when we're training at Colorado Motion, this is one of the points that we really try to focus on because a lot of the new um, clinicians are, you know, like, gosh, it's so fun to go hiking, but I really want to make sure I'm making a big difference in this person's mm -hmm. life. Um, so one of the things that um, I figure I could do to just try to um, help exemplify this is uh, one time I was working with a young man and um, you'll probably you know who I'm referencing, um, but he was a really challenging youth. He had been, you know, in and out of many different homes and, uh, you know, in and out of different incarceration situations, really challenging kid. And uh, he was really struggling to get involved in this therapeutic process that he so desperately needed. Um, so one time his caseworker, she uh, was very uh, helpful in the advice that she had given me. And she had said, Jeremy, I've noticed with this young man, for every bit that you try to push him to talk about something, he's gonna present to you an equal and opposite push in the other direction. So she says, do me a favor. <laughs> and this was when I was at my other job before I had uh, created Cloud Emotion. She said, I want you to, for your next eight sessions, for the next two months, she said, don't ask him about his, you know, this and that, all these traumatic events. She said, just go out and take walks with the guy. Go hiking through Garden of the Gods. Go rock climbing in Red Rock's open space. And I'll guarantee that he opens up, right? So it was really interesting because the first week I didn't say anything. Second week I didn't say anything. And I noticed he would kind of come to me a bit. 
he would kind of present it since I wasn't kind of going there. Um, and then I would, you know, hear him next week a little bit more, next week a little bit more. By the eighth week, it was all he would talk about. And I reflected on this statement that Ginny made that was, for every push that we make on this young man, he's going to push back an equal and opposite direction. Because for him, Kyle, it was this piece where, you know, he had very little control over what was going on in his life. And he was, you know, coming through the ranks of young man in puberty. And he's like, I'm not going to be controlled and crassed. So when I kind of let him take control and guide the conversation over the course of eight weeks, he would talk about nothing other than this historical trauma, this, you know, all the things that occurred with him. So in some ways, Kyle, I realized kind of what you were talking about when we're fishing with the young man, um, although we might not be hitting these hard points of trauma every session, what we are doing is creating this basis for when he is ready to share those things. We're going to do it with trust, with depth. Um, Had we not built that foundation over the course of time, I wonder how shallow or how deep those conversations ultimately become. But since we've had that strong therapeutic basis, because we did some, you know, more light sessions, some more heavy sessions. Um, I feel as though now the result that we have um, is evidence in the therapeutic relationship, which, as you know, is the basis for therapeutic growth. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, I think they come together just so beautifully. And I'll come back to that real quick. Uh, but if you're just joining us, my name is Kyle Bridgman with Project Ember Counseling, and you're listening to Mind Salad. And today, our very special guest, Jeremy Rogers from Colorado Motion, and we're discussing experiential treatment activities or experiential therapy, um, and just kind of how it's different from sitting in an office, maybe sitting in, on a couch and, and talking to a therapist, but really getting out there um, a lot of times into nature, um, into the world, and just having these experiences with kids that help them kind of become more vulnerable, I would say, um, to open up a little bit when you get their mind off of just sitting and talking about their problems and you get their hands doing something and you get their bodies active. Um, I think it just kind of lets down lets down this guard that they have a lot of times, especially if they are forced or required to participate in therapy. So you're, you're mentioning the importance of the relationship and even the control dynamic or the power dynamic um, coming into therapy. Pretty sure every teen out there has kind of some ODD type of mm-hmm. oppositional defiant <laughs> that comes with it. Um, so building that relationship, what if you were to give somebody one to two points of how to really build a relationship with a kid, what would you say? It's a great question, Kyle. A lot of what we'll focus on at Card Emotion to build the relationship is going to be around... Um, I have this meditation that I like to share with other people where when I interact with you, Kyle, say I was going to walk towards you, right? Um, I have this meditation where if I were to walk toward you, the first thing that you would physically encounter would be my heart, right? Because my heart is so far extended mm-hmm. that it's the first thing that people interact with. And I like that as a meditation for practitioners that call it emotion because um, sometimes I feel like what we come in with this thing is like, I want to help, right? I want to do, um, maybe even at our worst, I want to fix, right? And I think when we do that, we get very analytical, right? How can I figure out what they need? And and I feel like what humans really need is a, a support through a companion, is a, you know, an ally. I don't think they need some expert in a chair who can diagnose, you know, the symptomology and relate it to a diagnosis. Um, and that to me is more of like a cerebral activity. Hmm. To me, what I think therapy is, is more of a, a heart extension, right? Being there for somebody else and um, really not trying to hide from their pain. I've noticed that um, when I am available to hear you know, the depths of someone's challenges, um, they really can feel that I've joined with them. If there's something going on in my personal life where I have this belief that I need to keep myself separate from their pain, 
they can feel that too. So my biggest focus for me with joining with clients that I try to help other practitioners with is really focus on this meditation of like extending your heart to them rather than trying to extend your brain and knowledge and expertise. Um, really give them the human that is Kyle Bridgman. And you probably, um, as you hear that, that probably lands on you how you remember Colorado Emotion is really just um, trying to serve the customer. Um, and that looks like a therapy service, but um, does that sound kind of like? Yeah, it, I know it's a very cliche quote, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm, um, yeah. It just kind of comes to mind. and. And also, as you were talking, what came to mind was in grad school, they're very focused on making sure you keep the separation of personal perf versus professional um, and not sharing too much of your personal life. And, and there's absolutely a, a lot of truth to that, keeping keeping those two worlds separate. Uh, kind of transitioning out and trying to find myself, I guess, as I became a licensed therapist is how much can I share, can I give? Because I'm sitting there expecting somebody to dump everything all of their deep, dark secrets. So be vulnerable, give me everything. And then I'm sitting there very sterile, <laughs> keeping the separation. And I think Colorado Motion was where I really started to find myself with that is I remember one kid that I was working with and very different upbringings, very different. Um, it was an African-American kid. And he's like, there's no way I'm ever gonna trust you. And so we just started doing this exercise. I think we were playing Uno in my car because it was in the middle of winter um, and he didn't want to sit at home. And so we we're sitting there playing a card game. And I said, let's do a trust game. I said, I'll share something about myself and you can ask anything and there may be things that I can or can't share with you. Um, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to trust you with some information. And then all I'm going to ask is that you give to the same level. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be anything super deep. And I just remember that was really where things transitioned. Um, and that was probably three years ago. Um, and that kid still calls me t t till today. Um, he said, I just need to talk to you about something. I think there are these moments in therapy where it's all of a sudden like this switch or something. It's like this log jam just gave way. Um, so being able to share back and forth, you're kind of talking about sharing your heart. Um, and for me, part of that is I'm going to let you a little bit into my world as well mm -hmm. uh, to build whether that's empathy or sympathy or connection. And again, I think we have to respect, I don't care if it's a 12 year old kid, is that we have to show respect to them before they're gonna ever respect us. We're, 100%. We're, we're just this professional that's there for money, <laughs> yeah. is what I've been told on multiple occasions from the kids. And part of it is true, but that doesn't mean that I don't care. Of course. Uh, so maybe talk to that real quick, the, the respect factor. I think it is very different now than maybe when even when we were kids you respected your elders you respected people that were older than you that had some kind of title um and there's truth to that as well but how do you gain the respect of a 13 year old kid that's on probation it's a great question kyle and for what it's worth i uh, have worked with a lot of uh, adolescent boys that say like i will not respect you unless you respect me right they'll say mm. that's their teacher their caseworker their probation officer sometimes and, session one yeah <laughs> they'll start off with that yeah and um really what i do is say like you know i understand why you wouldn't respect someone who doesn't respect you i totally get that um and to earn their respect kyle um it starts right away um so the first thing that we do right when we get to the office is um if we're working with the child we reference the child um hey mom 
thanks for being here, but Johnny, are you ready to come back? Right. Um, Johnny is our client. Um, and then Johnny understands his rights to confidentiality. He understands um, what will and will not be shared with mom if he's over the age of 15, he or she. Um, so in many ways, Which Kyle, I actually think it switched to age 12 now. Oh, thank you the, for the, pointing the, that out. Yeah, can, can consent for their own care. Thank you for pointing that yeah. out. That's very relevant right now. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But um, yeah, so a lot of it starts, so, you know, right from the jump, you know, real structural pieces in place, confidentiality, um, what they can expect as far as conversations with parents. Um, those things are huge for kids. Um, and really, I know this um, will sound very basic, so I'm feeling self-conscious. Maybe I should elevate from this starting point. But um, Kyle, when we show up every week, same time, do what we say, on time, come with activities prepared, and we do that week after week, we, we earn their respect through our mm. actions. Um, so I really believe that um, if we're building respect, it's um, watch as I do, not what I say. Mm. Um, so it's really the things that we do. And then from there, Kyle, um, this might sound like, you know, a trivial way to build respect, but um, one of the tips I always give providers is um, let your client teach you something, right? There's this inherent aura that you're the expert and you have the knowledge. Well, right away, um, find out what they love, right? So I had a client who was really into gardening and I was like, how did you set up the hydroponic garden so the fish fed the plants and the plants fed the fish? And I noticed that really did something for um, his ability to respect me to be a student and then we were able to switch roles. Um, so I always think um, kind of switching in and out of these expertise roles and, you know, um, practicing what it looked like and then flipping back. Um, that for me over time has been a huge way to kind of build the respect of my clients. And it kind of says what a good leader would say, Kyle, which is, hey client, I wouldn't expect anything of you that I wouldn't do myself. So I'm willing to be taught, I'm willing to listen, I'm willing to you know, disagree, right? All the things that we would want in therapy, I'm willing to hear about um, you know, mountain biking or whatever it is that mm -hmm. you can teach me. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think you tapped into something that comes up in therapy all the time, probably every client at some point, is that at some point in life they didn't feel that they were valued or that they didn't feel that they were listened to. And especially as a teenager, what right do you have to speak? Uh, and that's what I loved about Colorado Motion, and I kind of carry that forward into private practice now, is give help that kid, that teenager, that young man, that young woman, find what it is, that what value they have to give to society. A lot of them I think don't believe they have anything to offer mm -hmm. um, but then giving them the space to speak I'm not going to judge you for what you say I'm not going to criticize there's no consequence just letting them um, and I think the other struggle is th that a lot of times a lot of people in their lives are lying to them or being dishonest or withholding things and so in therapy if you can just be completely honest and upfront with them like Tell them that you you don't know about something. Tell mm -hmm. them that you're not an expert. Letting them teach like you were talking about. Uh, telling them that you don't have all the answers. It doesn't have to be anything complicated, but just don't pretend to be something you're not and giving them permission to do that as well. Kyle, it's funny that you mentioned this because, uh, you know, I have a dog that I love very much named Rowdy. That was my next, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> well, it's a great segue. And sometimes I love being around animals like horses or dogs because I um, used to do equine therapy a bunch. And uh, I'll use the um, horse's example rather than beloved Rowdy, my dog. <laughs> um, but in equine therapy, um, I was working with one gentleman and he would be very aggressive after school. You know, he's um, all ramped up and we would go from school to equine therapy. And his horse, his name was Blade. Um, Blade would walk away from this young man. He hmm. would not let this young man interact with him. And what was so lovely about this horse is uh, 
me and this young man would do deep breathing exercises for sometimes 10, sometimes 20 minutes until I could tell he had regulated. And then we would go up to the horse Blade and then Blade would let this young man interact with him because Blade is sensing that there's danger, right? This person is not emotionally regulated. This person could have impulsivity that could put me in harm's way. So I'm going to remove myself from him, right? So once the um, once this young man was able to regulate himself, the horse would then um, allow his proximity and allow this young man to pet him and groom him. And um, similar to horses, <laughs> I feel like kids have this amazing innate ability to sense when someone is deceiving them or being dishonest or is not exactly being authentic. Um, so much like a horse, I feel like kids almost force Colorado practitioners to be authentic because mm-hmm. they really can smell when something is off and they will move away if you if you know what I mean. They mm-hmm. won't let you yeah, care absolutely. for them. Absolutely. Um, so in some ways, they keep us very honest. <laughs> well, I'm sure we could go on with this topic and talk about experiential therapy for for another couple hours, but we are out of time today. So I want to thank Jeremy Rogers from Colorado Motion for coming out of Mind Salad and talking with me about experiential treatment activities and, and working with teens. So. Well, thanks for having me, Kyle. I figured this would go by fast, but I can't believe how fast it went. So thank you so much. I'd yeah. love to do this with you again. Yeah, absolutely. I want to leave you with a final thought. If every child knew the necessity of their existence, the world would be solved of all of its problems. Thanks again, and I'm Kyle Bridgman with Project Ember Counseling. Have a good rest of your weekend. You've been listening to Mind Salad, a discussion of mental wellness issues and topics with a rotating panel of mental health providers. Heard every Sunday at 1130 a.m. on KPPF, and be sure to listen to the podcast on Podbean.